Let's do it. All right, welcome to the Culturally Distinct Podcast. This is your boy, DJ KO. Hey, Jack in the building. TB from the show. What's happening? What's happening? And we have a special guest that's uh, going to be with us today. Uh, she's a mother. She's a wife. Right, right. The uh, business owner. She's a member of the Alpha, Alpha Alpha sorority. She's a native of Mississippi, and she's also an author. Everybody, welcome to the to the show, Mrs. Atoya Fallins. Hey, 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 hey guys. Hey. hey. No doing, applause. Man? You're not going. Can the lady give me a round of applause, please? Yeah, no. Take care of that. Come on, KJ. <laughs> I'm just saying, I wanted you to like clap or something, you know. TB, nothing? Here we Horrible. go. Horrible. Organic Okay. So, Atoya, so in today's, in today's climate, I see, you know, before we even get into uh, the, the book and everything, I just want to get some, uh, some of your viewpoints on what's going on today as a, as, a, as a mother and as a black woman. What do you think mm-hmm. was like, to stay positive, what are some, what are some things in, that, you, to, that you do to stay positive in this climate that we're living in right now? Yeah, I feel you. Um, Like you said, it is a lot going on, right? And as a mother, especially a mother to, I have a son. So I really feel this whole, you know, thing happening to our black men. Right now he's young, but you know, I still feel a way about everything that is happening to our black men. Um, So just to stay positive, though, I try to limit exposure, you know, kind of guard my gates. You want to stay engaged and understand what's going on. But when you just constantly listen to everything, it tends to kind of bring you down. So I try to guard my gates, make sure I'm understanding what's going on, but not just consuming it to the point where, you know, I'm feeling heavy or feeling down. Um, And then, you know, going into some of the things that us women do, you know, I journal a lot, write down my feelings and kind of get everything out. Um, I'm very optimistic, you know, even though things don't always look the way we want them to, I try to just keep myself in a good headspace. So I journal, I listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, I'm all about everything that's motivational, empowering, encouraging, and I also try to learn, like, I feel like, you know, you can't make things better if you don't necessarily know where you're, where you're coming from, or the plight that your son may have later on. So, um, yeah, those are the things I do. So how, how do you stay grounded like that? Where, where did that come from? Was that an upbringing? Because I, I know you're originally from Mississippi, correct? Yeah. Shout out to Mississippi. Yes, yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I know in Mississippi, it's a it's a big influence of a a big spiritual background and yeah. they positive and they they very big on family. So was yeah. that one of the places or one of the things that kept you grounded or keep you grounded to this day? Um, I have somewhat of a um. I'm beginning to get somewhat of a different understanding of just spirituality and religion and all of that, right? So um, I'll I'll say that that planted the seed. Yes, most definitely. You know, growing up in a household who were, we were just your average Southern Baptist family, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so, uh, yeah, that planted the seed and and helped me kind of get an understanding of faith. But as I got older, you know, I started to try to understand things for myself. And I think just having that desire to know more 
that keeps me grounded because I realize that we really do have a lot of power that we don't even understand, okay. you know, and it goes beyond just praying and all of that kind of stuff. Like, you know, you really have to get into relationship and understand who God is for yourself. So like right now, I've just been trying to ask that he show me who he is, not what my parents taught me or family taught me or whatever, you know, just trying to have that faith and that understanding for myself. So yeah, the upbringing planted the seed, but okay. I think you have to water it, you know, and really get an understanding for yourself as, as life goes on. But it definitely does help, you know, to keep me in a positive space and to keep me in a positive head space. But yeah, growing, my upbringing did plant the seed. I see. It sounds like you have that that preacher inside of you, that uh, passion. I can feel that passion. <laughs> <laughs> prophetically so, speaking over here, man. I don't know about that now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about, you know, your base and background and roots. What um college, what university did you attend? I went to Mississippi State for undergrad. And okay. um, after graduating from state, I moved to, like we all said, I'm from Starkville, Mississippi. But okay. after graduating from state, I then, a um, few years later, I, I lived in Jackson, Mississippi for a little while as well. And then a few years later, I ended up here um, where I am now in Baton Rouge. And after being out of college for a couple of years, I decided to go back and get my master's. So I did attend the Southern University for grad school. So I always tell people that I got the best of both worlds. Like, I really am grateful for my Southern experience because, you know, when you don't attend the HBCU, you see and you hear, but until you're there, you feel it. You know, you're a part of it. So, it, it takes on a different feel. So you honestly did feel the difference in the oh, two. Oh, yes. Most definitely. Yeah. It's, I'm going to be real. The first night that I sat in class at Southern, I was in culture shock. I had never sat in a classroom with so many beautiful black and brown faces ever in my life. You felt like, like you were on a different world, huh? Yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay, what's up? You know what I'm saying? I never had that experience. So, you know, like I say, I, I really tell people that I got the best of both worlds. It, it really was a difference. You can definitely feel it. Okay. Hey, uh, I wanna. I know. I know you said something important about your upbringing, um, the way that values and morals was instilled in you. But as a black mother taking on that responsibility in in the culture that we're living in, right? With a mm -hmm. black son, with a black king that you're raising up, how are you navigating those conversations when you see George Floyd, the death of him? How old is your son? Aubrey. So I was I was about to go there and respond to Tori's question. You know, he's only seven, right? Mm -hmm. So there's um, you know, a seven-year-old's mind <laughs> may not necessarily be able to understand the severity of everything right now, but you try to break it down and put it in a way that they do get it, right? And that mm -hmm. they do mm -hmm. understand. So we I, I keep it real with him, Tori. Like I try to have the conversation on his level. You know, I didn't let him watch the video with George Floyd, but I did kind of tell him the backstory. I showed him the protest and, you know, I explained to him, okay, we're all there because someone is mistreating and hurting other people because of the color of their skin. So he understands the basis, you know what I'm saying, of what racism is. He understands the basis of um, the understanding of what being a slave was. And mm. I buy books all the time, material, and I try to read to him on his level. Like, I let him mm -hmm. read, I read, you know, we talk about it. Haitian Revolution, like all that type of stuff, because I want him to know his history. I just feel like 
if he doesn't understand as a young black man where he came from or what we are as a people, he really won't understand the necessity of making sure that we grab hold of that and uplift that now. So I just try to keep it real and to give it to him on his level. And then, you know, my husband has a, a big part in it too, Tori. You know, my husband, you know, he's from... Right. Um, you know, let's just say it like it is. He's from the hood. You know what I'm saying? So he has his own experiences that he can share with him, not just from hearsay or from seeing it on the TV, but this is what I live, you know? So, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. so speaking of speaking of protests, how do you feel about that? How do you honestly feel about protests? Uh -oh. Do you think it's effective? Uh -oh. <laughs> think it's, it's Adam has a whole okay i know uh let me just say this i know that my opinion is probably not going to be a popular one but you asked me how i honestly feel so yes. i'm gonna give it to you okay um you know i'm all about the the peaceful protest and all of that you know you want to keep things um there's a certain way to do anything right and there's a certain mm -hmm. way to have and effect but honestly i'm not mad like i'm really not you know i just if you ask me i think that they're listening now you know people are tired of it you know you can't continue to poke someone and expect them not to eventually react in a way that may not be their best self or it may not be putting their best actions forward but at some point you know it, it, it it's just bound yeah, to happen that's what I said. These things, the Floyd situation, and just when it comes to protest in general, certain things hit people a different way. It comes from a different emotional place. And yeah. so as a therapist, I can't tell people how to feel, how to express their emotion, even when people come to me for anger management. Anger is a natural emotion. It's your reaction right. to the anger is where people usually get in trouble. So when we talked about it. That's what I told Adam. You know, I'm like, Mm, I can't say kicking in a glass door or breaking this or burning this down is not what's making those people feel better. No, right. it may not be the best way, but that's their way right now. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's how some yeah. people celebrate winning the World Cup. They'll set a car on fire. I don't <laughs> know why that emotion works for you, but it works. But yeah, and I'm you with know, you. It's just... It, we're also yeah. dealing with you know, um, I feel like there's a difference in the generations too with how they mm -hmm. handle things. You know, when you're dealing with the generation that's not necessarily the millennials, but those after that, I mean, they speak a different language. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? They handle situations totally different. So, like I said, it may not be the best way to handle it. You know, it's probably a better way, but I ain't mad at them. I'm really not. <laughs> so, so uh, by you go ahead. By you saying that, Though, so like you said, the generational understanding, I call it a, a unique gift that these that these uh these new I ain't saying new, but these kids have. They have uh -huh. they they're they're using their gifts that they have to to get a result versus how the generations in the past uh, used to resolve issues. So uh -huh. speaking of gifts, what is your what is your your uh your definition of a unique gift because I'm going from your topic. It says uh, discovering from your book. We're going to get into that, but I just okay. want to talk about unique gifts. Uh, discovering life's meaning and how to identify by the unique gifts that people have. Could you explain that? Yes. Um. You say what is a gift? I my definition and how I really feel like a gift is 
these are the talents and the abilities that God has given you to create impact. Like it's something inside of you that you naturally possess. And I think that's, you know, we'll get into it. I'm sure as we discuss more things about the book, mm -hmm. but you know, sometimes I think we overlook the things that we have because we think they're insignificant, but they're not. These are things that come so naturally to us that we really don't give it much value, but God has given us different talents, different abilities. Okay. And that's what I think our gifts are. Just the Let's back gifts. up a little bit. What's the I name of the book? What, what, <laughs> what is this book? What are we talking about? Okay, so I'm um, Mr. Nelson. Yeah, what's the name of the book? I'm a first time author of a book called Girl, You Have Purpose. Here we go, girl. Yes, yes. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, the name of the book is Girl, You Have Purpose Discovering Life's Meanings by Identifying Your Unique Gifts, which mm -hmm. again are these talents and these abilities that God has given you. Come on. Okay. Okay. So, okay. so basically, so. Girl, you have what inspired the book? What 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 inspired you to do this? Because we live in a time, and I say this all the time. If you've seen the past podcast, I say all the time, we as a people, men uh -huh. and women of color, have yes. black people. We have become okay. Social media has been a blessing. It's been yeah. an outlet for things to happen. Like they say, racism has been happening, but now it's being recorded. It's going right. viral faster. All of that, but publicly as a people, we are more self-destructive than anyone. We tear each other down publicly more than anyone. Taylor Swift, whoever, can look like hot garbage on the runway, and she would make it down the runway, on stage, perform the after party, go on about her business, be at her child's birthday party. Nobody says anything. Let a sister get out of the car. Her feet had me, both of her feet hadn't even hit the ground and she trending on the internet because her wig didn't sit right. I mean, right. what is that? So it's like, why? It's, yeah. You know, so it, yeah. it's just, this is really good to hear. So that's why I'm saying, you know, what inspired that? Did it come from a situation, seeing things like that? You know, how, how did we get to the book? You know, when people ask me that, I'm like, okay, girl, what part of this do you want? Um... Because there's a, there's a few different reasons, right? Mm -hmm. First of all, just to kind of go back to the upbringing situation, okay? I feel like a lot of the times we followed a certain protocol with our lives versus necessarily really understanding who we are and following our purpose, okay? Right. Now, I didn't have, my parents didn't sit me down and explain to me there's something that you have. There's a gift that you have that you should maybe focus on and try to operate in it in some type of way. And that will eventually lead you to this fulfillment that a lot of us are searching for in life, right? So what I did was I did what I thought, you know, I was supposed to do. You graduate high school, then you go to college, and then you start working, right? Right. So mm -hmm. when I got out of college and started working, I'm looking for my, my six figures, where's my money, okay? Because y'all told me if I, you know, go to school and do, do things right, then Let's my go. Right. Yeah, but the fulfillment <laughs> and my dollars gonna come. So then, you know, it, I just started feeling like I was going through the motions. Like, it was just no life in it. You know, I was just going to work, paying bills, whatever, but I didn't feel like I was offering anything or really causing impact in anyone else's life. Okay. So I went through that whole gray phase of there has to be more to life than this. Like this can't be. What was your career at that time? 
What were you doing? At the time, um, and I'm still in it now to a certain degree. My insurance was, in, I mean, my major, I'm sorry, was finance and insurance. And at the time, I was working um, for Progressive Insurance in Jackson, okay. Mississippi. And it was, a, you know, it was a good gig. You know what I'm saying? I was making decent money or whatever, but I just wasn't satisfied. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started kind of entertaining this thought of purpose and then just feeling like, you know, feeling lost, you know, feeling like, okay, there got to be something more to life and just feeling like there's something else for me to do. Okay. Right. So that's right. one portion. Just feeling like, you know, a lot of the times we miss it as um, kids or when we're growing up as young adults having someone to explain to us, it's not just about working, bro. Like, it's not just about mm -hmm. going to get the job. You know what I'm saying? And don't get me wrong. Some people are operating their careers directly aligned with their purpose. And that's great. But that, that wasn't me. No matter how much money I made on this job, I still felt like there's something else for me to do. Right? So sure. purpose to me is for other people. It's for you to create an impact in someone else's life. I wanted mm -hmm. that. You know what I'm saying? That's what makes me feel fulfilled. So that was one way, one reason. It came from a place of kind of a little bit of pain, you know, just trying to figure that out. So I wanted to help the next woman. Girl, I understand, you know, some people don't want to be honest and say they have no damn clue what they won't be when they grow up, you know. But I wanted to be able to help somebody get there if this is how they were feeling. Then on the other side of it, we tell our children all the time that they can be and do and have anything, but we don't show them what it looked like. So to me, it was just a small demonstration to my kids that they can look back on and say, my mom did that. You know, I'm seeing a black woman represented on a book. You know, we don't necessarily see that. So I wanted to show my kids that as well. So that's really where it came from, just wanting to help the next woman get to this place where she feels fulfilled and also having something tangible that my kids can look back and draw the encouragement to know that they can do and be and have anything. And this, this, that first part and just all of it in general is good because even at, how old am I? 42 years old. I still mm -hmm. tell people all the time, I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. Yeah. It's real, I'm a licensed you know therapist. I've been in this field for over 20 years, but I still say I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. <clears throat> and I also come across people who at different companies, like how long have you been here? And they'll be like 35, 40 years. I always ask them how, because right. I'm always looking for the next thing. And I'm almost a little envious of people who can go on a job and just sit and stay in that spot for like 40 years. But then at the same time, it's a little sadness because it's like how or why is this truly what you love to do are you just afraid to pursue something else so all of these different things usually go through my head so yeah right. it's it you know it, it's spot on it is a definite thing you know so i told you where okay go ahead baby go ahead i'm sorry um just to kind of piggyback off something that you said kaya i had this conversation actually yesterday about how you know our parents would go and they would work a job and they really would be this one job like from the time they start working right. to the time they retire and you know in my mind you know how they tell you you want to have this you know longevity on the job and all that yeah i get it but in, i feel like personally you cannot grow in the same space you know what i mean you that have to spread your wings at some right. point 
right? right? And move. So it may look like you changing jobs or changing careers or whatever, but I just feel like at each point, at each touch point, there's something there for you to grow you, you know, and, and better you along your journey of being your best self. So, you know, I say I couldn't do it. Personally, I couldn't, I don't think I could be anywhere for 40 years and show mm. up and do this same thing over and over again. That's, I, I couldn't. <laughs> nah. so, so check this out. You said something about space, right? So I want to peel a layer back. Uh, we okay. both from Mississippi. Man, for y'all don't know, me and Toya are cousins. You dig that? Yeah. So that's family. So moving from Mississippi, did you feel like that it was a step that you had to make in order to become you? the version mm-hmm. that you are now, or if you could do the same type of work and have the same type of impact back home. Because like we alluded to, things that we were taught, things that we were exposed to, is different once you get out there and you can see different things. It so is, was it that is part different. of the journey of becoming who you are today? Yeah, at the, it is part of the journey. I don't think I understood it in the beginning though, in its totality per se, but I knew when I left home, it was about money. It was, I have to leave Starkville in order to make money, you know. So when I initially... Now, hold up, hold up, hold up. I don't want to cut y'all, but hey, people in Starkville, we ain't saying that, hey, you can't get it. Not by it. long shot. Oh, well, you know, we ain't saying you can't get it. It's just different situations. Not by long shot. We're talking about my journey, okay? It right. might not, you know, right. it may not look the same for someone else, but at the time when I graduated you know, high, um, college, because you got to think about it now. I was there for all of high school. Then I was there for all of undergrad, too. Yeah. So by the time I graduated college, I was like, man, I got to, you know, I got to get out of here because there's a lot of money that I want to make, right? So I left for the money. But as time went on, I did. And when, when I go back home, I still feel like there are still some mindsets you know, that we haven't necessarily let go of. There's some mm-hmm. things that there's some areas that we hadn't grown in. There's some areas of opportunity that are still there. I love home. You know, I love everybody that my people, everything, but I can look, I can in love, I can say that there are opportunities, there are mindsets, there are areas that, you just, that we you have say, not grown. Yeah, you CTV. See, this is the conversation we had last week. So you know your cousin has this passion. Uh He wants to save the people. He wants to (laughs) save our people. And so we had the conversation about reparations. And so he was like, we get the 300,000, what you gonna do? I said, okay, yeah, I'm gonna pay my tithes. I'm gonna do this, this and this, I'm gonna do this. And it's gonna be some bald head hoe shit that's gonna happen. You know, I'm putting it out there. I'm gonna be honest about it. I'm gonna turn up, I'm gonna do me. He was like, so what you gonna do to help the people? Yeah. People got their own $300,000. He was like, but you got to go. No, 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 no. Everybody is not always ready. So I said that to say, and he always saying, well, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. I said, you want to help the people all at one time, but everybody is not always ready to receive the help. They are not where you are in your process, in your journey. So sometimes those people can hold you down. So everybody's mindset will not always align with what you say. And I see that too, coming from a small town in Louisiana. It's just that, and it's nothing against it. And even in big towns like Houston, in the city of Houston, everybody doesn't always have the same mindset, but you can't let that navigate your journey. You have to do your own journey. And if they want to come, then you just turn it into an Uber Chef versus just a single ride. So that's just how you have to do it. What y'all was saying, it's, it's an old saying, it said a prophet is never 
welcome in their home. So the thing is, you know, to to what you what you were saying, Atoya, I, I understand. You know, people that you're trying to enlighten and trying to you know help them see another another way of life, they might not get it because you know they they don't look at you as that that beacon because they know you since you was a child. But mm-hmm. let's go on to the next question. Where did you find the courage and the energy to start a book? Because you're a mother, you're a wife. That's exhausting in itself. You have a yeah. job and then you have time enough to sit there and write a book. Where did you get Dude, that? I'm a black tell- woman, she's a superhero. Right, that's a superpower. <laughs> when I, okay. I knew I wanted to write, right? I had, you know, put it in the atmosphere, I'm going to write a book, okay? But I didn't necessarily take it very seriously or even take steps to to begin writing the book. It's going to sound crazy, but when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, I only have two children. When I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, it became, I have to write the book. Mm-hmm. There was something about bringing another life into this world that made me feel like, again, like I said, I have to show my children that they can do they can do things. When you put your mm-hmm. mind to it, you can really do it, right? So, and it's something about having a girl too that made that. It's just like it lit a fire inside of me that sh- these kids are my why. I can't not write the book. I have to write the book, right? I literally wrote the book on my maternity leave, rocking my daughter. Like, I literally wrote the book when I was nursing. And, you know, I wrote my, I began writing the book on my phone. So sometimes when people tell me things that they can't do, I just, I can't, I can't identify with that. Because if I can be a new mother, and you know, we go through this whole postpartum thing. You know, your hormones all over the place. You're really not feeling like your best self. But if I can write a book nursing a newborn child on my cell phone, at least start the process, then you can do it, right? So as she mm-hmm. got a little bit older and she was a few months, I, I did it with her on my hip. I can't even lie, man. A lot of the things that I had to do with the book, I had to do it with her on my hip. My husband would take her at times and give me some time, you know, but I did it with her on my hip and I did it because of her. So she was just they were my wife my kids were my wife at the time i had to do it i don't know what it was about it it was just something about bringing another life into this world it was like you're not being your best self how are you going to tell them to do it that's what you said uh to the people listening what she said is she didn't make excuses nothing's going to be perfect you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. you got to go you got to drink nothing going to be perfect shit one of my streams of income is djing my first party guess who i got it from KO. He put me on a party and I had to borrow a speaker. I had to to borrow a speaker to rock the party. And they put me upstairs. I couldn't see nobody in the party. So it wasn't perfect, man, but I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I wanted to make people happy. I like to dance. I want to make people dance and go for it. So, man, people listening, don't make excuses. If it's in you, let the world see it because nobody can do it like you can do it. Yeah. And it goes back to your title, Girl, You Have Purpose. I believe that was your purpose. Your purpose was go ahead and write that book. Even though you spoke it and you put it into the atmosphere years prior, your purpose was to eventually do that to help other people fulfill their purpose. Mm -hmm. Since you've been been telling your testimony and impacting young women and uh, 
uh, getting them to identify what, what their purpose and truth is. How has that motivated you and kind of switch up how you move? Because when we get into spaces and we get people into our world, they start watching, they start crying. Right. Oh, she, she don't really do it like that. I saw her doing this. How you had to switch up, you know, how you do your things and, and continue to impact the people in a positive light. You know, that's a, that's a good question, Tori. But to be honest, I mean, I, I don't feel like I've had to change at all because who I am and what I'm doing, <laughs> I've been doing it. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Now, like I said, we take these gifts and these talents that we have and we make them insignificant because we don't think they value, they're of much value, right? But when I think about it, I've been solid since day one. Like, I've always been that friend that people came to to get, girl, let me tell you my deepest secrets. You know, let me tell you the things that I'm struggling with. Um, You know, people were, they navigated to me for whatever reason, but I never thought anything of it. You know, it's just like, I'm okay, girl, we cool. Good friend. You know, know, just good people. You know what I mean? But in the climate that we live in, we're dealing with so much depression, so much anxiety, you know what I'm saying? So many mental health issues to have a person feel like they can draw from you. That's, that's, that's powerful. And that's a strength, you know, and that's a blessing. So I hadn't really changed up anything, Tori, you know, I, I have my flaws. I'm not scared to let people see them, you know, um, I'm gonna make mistakes. I ain't gonna always get it right. Yeah. That's okay with me. You know, um, I just try to be real because I feel like when you when you actually show the people who you really are, then they're comfortable with you or whatever. Well, you know, no. I used to have right. a problem with I okay, I'm just gonna say I curse y'all. Like I'll just just you know, that's just yeah. how I right? <laughs> you my cousin, you and me both, we curse, we curse. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I used to try to kind of hide that a little bit because you know, people mm-hmm. have this perception of you based on whatever. You know, it could be what you look like, it could be the movement in the book and all that. But at the end of the day, I was like, shit, I can't help you if I can't be real with you. Right. You know what I mean? I can't right. hold your hand. And we walk through whatever it is that you may deal be dealing with if I can't be myself. So honestly, I don't feel like I've had to change up a whole lot because like I said, I've been me. You know, this is who I am, is really what I do. This ain't this isn't for show. You know, I would do this even if there was no social media, even if I had never written a book, I probably would still operate and move in the same space. So I don't feel like I had to change a whole lot at all. Well, a woman living her purpose, how do she deal with her haters? Hmm. Cause hmm. I'm pretty sure you go. You have a lot. You, if, if you don't have them now, you will have them. They're coming. You always have people who gonna have something to say, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, people always have an opinion, and you are you're entitled to it. I honestly just don't care. Like, girl, you know, do you know on my email? <laughs> since oh my god, since um, when did I go to this seminar? Had to be maybe 2001, maybe. Uh-huh. Since then, my signature line of my email has been and will forever be other people's opinion of me is none of my business. It's just I don't care. Enough, I just... You would have to internalize your haters to care that much. Like, I think I tell my husband all the time, I can honestly say, I, I can't say there's somebody I don't like. It takes too much energy yeah. To formulate that or to recognize a hater, I figure you don't. I just rather not. I just cut them off or they just don't exist in my mind. Like, you just don't give it that energy. You can't. Yeah, I just, 
I don't, I just don't care. Like I really don't. Yeah. And I've had people to do things, you know, and say things and try to, um, you know, like you say about this image, try to tarnish the image that people have of me, right? Like she really ain't that, this person. Like I've had people do that, you know, and we ain't talk about on no, you know, no weak stuff. Like they really tried to come at me in a, you know, I, <laughs> and they're not done. Really almost pulled me all the way out of my character. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, sometimes you have to, um, People think that if they tell certain truths about you, that it's going to hurt you, but you can't tell my truth better than me, right? And like I said, I have flaws. I don't care if you see them. So it's hard. To me, it should be hard for you to hate on me. It should be because I don't... Why? Like, you know what I mean? Like, girl, but whatever... But their insecurity, so it comes a lot easier to those people than you think because they live in their insecurity. So to hate on someone else comes very easy to them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. don't care. Like, whatever, bro. Like, right. <laughs> right. Right. A wise, a, wise, a wise woman by the name of K. Jack once told me, it's chess, not checkers, you dig? So, right. having that aggressive side, like, we can do it how you want to do it. Right, it's, right. It's totally fine to me, but I know where I'm going. I know what I need to do, so... You know, we're not going to waste energy on small things. We're going right. to keep needle. TB and I just met what, a few months ago, getting this started. And, you know, uh -huh. we were sitting, talking, you know, your cousin is very passionate. He, <laughs> he, our systems go, balls to the wild. And I said, you know, TB, as you get older, you learn this thing, you navigate this thing called life. And I've learned, I can sit somewhere and a person can just read me for the fifth, honey. I, you can talk about me like a dog. You can drag for me in front of 15 people. And I'm a problem. I'm at the point now. I'm gonna just sit there and be okay. Right. You know why? Because I would rather you walk away feeling vindicated that you feel like you did what you, you needed won, to girl. do. Go ahead and Because win. you don't get a second time to come back. Because right. I go from calm to like life in prison real quick. Right. And I'm too old and I got too much to lose. So yep. I take this L. Okay. Yep. If this is get it all out, I need you to walk away feeling like you got me told. Because that's going to be better for both of us. I'm going to make the mature decision for both of us and let you have that. And yep. so, you know, TB was like, but how? It, come, it just come with time. Because I don't, I don't have the energy for it. Energy <laughs> time is something you cannot get back. You, you can say you're reclaiming your time, but you can't. It's gone. You can't get it back. So it's gone. Uh, one of the chapters in the book, I believe you talk about the power, power of statement. Uh-huh. What is, what is that? Could you explain that to the people? What is a power statement? Yes. Power statements are these positive affirmations or these positive um, facts that you make about yourself. Even if it hasn't like materialized yet or you hadn't seen it yet, a power statement is when you say things and you know that you're going to put the work behind it to manifest it and actually to see it come to life or the things about yourself that you need to accept as your truth, right? So there's pretty much like an affirmation, but I, I mean, I, I like to call them power statements because I think that we are, women, as women, we have so much power, but sometimes we just don't even realize it. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is one of your, your favorite chapters in a book? One of my favorite chapters, first let's go to those power statements because mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite things. Let me see, I had it right here because I wanted to read it really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but it's power statement number one, 
that's in chapter six. And then it is chapter three that I really love. But the power statement that I love says, and of course my son would have come and uh, moved it. Let me see. Hold on a minute. Give me two seconds. You got good editing skills. K.O. will get it right. <laughs> okay, hold on. Give me a second. I had it all first down. He came up in here and moved it in. Okay, I ain't going to take too long. All right, let me just tell you from my, I wanted to read it word for word, though. But what it says is that um, as women, here it is. Okay, power statement number one. And it's chapter nine, not six. It says, I am woman, the giver of all life, physically, hmm. mentally, and emotionally. Everything birthed into this world comes through me. Dude, listen, Amen. I'm sure you're going to be able to relate. When do y'all take them hats off and pass the collection plate? Come on. That is my favorite. Really, that's like the, those words are one of the most powerful things that I feel like is in the book. If you're in a a space in your mind to understand that. Mm -hmm. Can't nothing move without us, bruh. Like, can't nothing. There's everything Mm -hmm. birthed into this world had to come through woman. And I feel like as women, if we understand that, we're going to handle ourselves, carry ourselves. We're going to move totally different. And there's going to be an appreciation and love for ourselves. And not just yourself, but other women. That's why I don't understand the hater. You know yeah. what I mean? That's why I, yeah. I can't, I can't, I don't understand the hater. Like, sis, you have just as much power as me. There's no, there's no need for you to hate on me, you know, because we give life. So that is like number one thing that I absolutely love. Hallelujah, as they say. <laughs> hmm. That's good. That's, That's good. Good. preaching today. I told and you. And then um, the other for a chapter that I love is chapter three, and the reason that I love that is because you know I share a time in my life that was very dark for me and my family. Um, my mom went through a situation where she lost sight in both of her eyes. Right. So if you can imagine, you know, hearing the voices of your loved ones, but no longer being able to see their faces and nobody ever giving you a true, um, they're never giving you the correct diagnosis of what's going on or even making you understand why this is happening to you. And so just getting through that hurdle, you know, in my life, because when you see your mom suffering, that's a pain. Like you just can't even, you can't even explain that. So that chapter to me is very important and I love it because it shows that even when you're in the lowest of lows in your life, if you understand who you are, you may be able to move your family beyond these type of things. So that's why I love that chapter. That was good. Mm-hmm. So if you had a young, a young lady, since this mm-hmm. is a woman's empowerment uh, book, and you had a young lady that was kind of lost mm-hmm. and she was looking for some type of a light, like a guiding light, what are some words of encouragement that you can uh, give to her? I would say first to um, kill the noise. Like there's a lot of things happening around us, the social media, the opinions of other people, you know, we're looking and comparing ourselves to other people. First kill the noise and understand that listening to your inner self, getting to really know who you are. What do I like? What do I not like? What makes me happy? What doesn't make me happy? What makes me feel good? You know, understanding yourself as a young woman is so important because when you understand yourself, you'll be able to set the boundaries necessary, 
you know, to make sure that you're living a life that you can feel good and you can feel proud of. So my first thing would be to kill the noise. And my second thing would be to really try to understand who you are. Sounds good. So it's not just young women. It's some old ones that need it too. <laughs> <She said> always- <laughs> <laughs> Probably more so than the young ones. But it's okay. I mean, it's life. It's true. Yeah, it's okay. It's true. It's okay. Yeah, so, Atoya, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you just taking some time out of your busy day to sit down with us and just discuss you know, your book, a lot of, a lot of positive affirmations that you were speaking about today. I believe that you're going to help a lot of people in just, not just with this interview, but just in the process and with the book that you have going. So I appreciate everything that you're doing Thank and you. to do it. And uh, tell the people, where could they find you? Social media, websites, what you got? How they can buy the book. <laughs> right. Um, you guys can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Atoya Follins. Um, everything is the same. All my handles are the same. You can find the book on my website, which is atoyafollins.com, but you can also go to girlyouhavepurpose.com and get the book. It's also on Amazon. But um if you I like to actually put my 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 John Hancock on it. So getting it through me, I'll actually put, you know, something motivational, encouraging in there. And send it right out to you. So, yep, that's it. Sounds good. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah. So when when outside up and I come back to the raggedy, I look you up so we yeah, can you know, hang out with face to face. You know, them yeah. be, them be real streets. That's my world, right? Now. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just waiting out outside to open back up. So, you know, I lived there for what ten years before I moved because I went to oh, Southern really? B Southern University, undergrad okay. and grad school. So. I grew up in Baton Rouge. I became okay, an yeah, adult girl. in Baton Rouge. So yeah, hook me up. Yeah. Let's hook up, girl. Let's uh, hang out a little bit. But I'm in Baton Rouge. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, you're you're not. No. You can't. <laughs> I'm, gonna wrap, I'm gonna wrap it up, guys. Look, this is the culturally distinct podcast. Yeah. We had a Toya Fallins as a guest today. Thank this you, thank you. DJ KO. K Jack. TV from the silk. Peace. You guys be good. Love you guys. Have a good one. All right.